Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Thursday, October 19th in the year of our Lord, 2023. This is Mike Abadir, your host, of course, alongside Pop DiBiase. We are in the middle of the MLB playoffs, actually in the middle of a ball game right now where Arizona has a rookie pitcher that has pitched his brains out, but it might not be enough because the Phillies are absolutely on a roll. We'll talk a little bit about that series since we hadn't talked uh, before the series started. So we'll get into the Phillies and the D-backs. And, of course, the Battle of Texas, the Rangers and Astros. More about that in a minute. But, Pop, let's start with the NFL. We kind of have a dud of a game tonight, but I think it brings a bigger point. There was an analysis done on the first six weeks of the season pop and what they found was that the nfl games really haven't been that competitive that the gap in scoring margins is the widest it's been in many many years that the quality of play between the top teams and the bottom teams is more dramatic than at any time in the last like 10 15 20 years what do you say about that? First six weeks of the season. And I keep trying to stress to everybody, but they don't want to listen to me when I say this, that the defense is the star of this NFL season. The, we, we have introduced the multiple pass rushers where you have all these high motor pass rushers where you got great defensive linemen that can rush the passer. You got great edge rushers that can rush the passer. You got cornerbacks that can rush the passer. You got safeties that can rush the passer. And they're making it really, really difficult for any quarterback to be Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and all these guys that have these great lines and everything that are able to keep the pockets upright and all that good stuff. And it's just, I think that the defense is just so much is really ahead of what they have going on in offense because the offense has so many structured schemes. You know, a lot of teams already know the first 20 plays that they're going to run. And so if you're a defensive coordinator, you're going to sit up there and look at the first 20 plays that they're going to run and say, okay, this is what we're looking at. I'm looking for all the signals that they're throwing out there. So I, my guys can, be alert of what's going on on Sunday. So pretty much um, I think that it's just that it's been great defense being played. And so sometimes when it's great defense getting played and the offense is struggling, they're going to say that, oh, the competition is is weak. It's this, that, and the third. But really it's just that there's teams that are just more complete than the others. And I just feel like a lot of teams felt like if they could just go out there and throw four receivers out there and have a guy throw for 300 yards, they, they win a game. It that doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Um, in the NFL. I, I said it's a sad day in the NFL when you have guys throwing for 300 yards and they're supplying 13 points. Like, that's not good. Derek Carr threw for 353 last week. 
13 points on the board, brother. 13 points on the board, Mike. That's that's shameful, bro. And then I looked up and I did a a my own study of last Sunday. There were nine games where quarterbacks threw for under 200 yards. You know what the record was for that game for those games, Mike? It was eight and one. Okay, there were five quarterbacks. Are you telling me that eight out of the nine games where they couldn't even clear 200 yards produced a winner? Produced the winner. And then peep this, peep this, peep this. Okay. 300, every quarterback over 300 yards. It was five of them. Out of those five games, one and four. One and four. Okay, but what I would want to go back to see is were those junk yards in the fourth quarter, or was it like even, like first half 155 yards, second half 145 yards, you get to your 300 because it's balanced, or was it like 80 yards at halftime, you know, 140 was, by the third quarter, and it, then 150 in the fourth quarter? It was this, quarterbacks having great drives until they get 10 yards outside of the end zone. Geno Smith blew like six red zone um, trips. Carr blew like seven of them last week. So these guys were were getting their teams somewhere to the promised land, but they weren't scoring touchdowns. That's what the problem was, is that, yeah, they, they did everything that they were supposed to do until it came to scoring a touchdown. Great. Here goes another good one. Who do you think passed for uh, more yards, Sam Howell or Desmond Ritter on Sunday? Just when you look at the game and you think about the game and see the stat and really just look at the game, don't even think about the stats. Who who do you think threw more? I feel like this is a trick question. I'm going to go with Sam Howell. Nope. Sam Howell threw for 151 yards, but he threw for three touchdowns and zero interceptions. Desmond Ritter threw for 307 yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions. There you go. There you go right there, Mike. Yeah, because you th- the the guy with the more yardage is the guy who, who who turned over the ball more too. So it just goes to show you that if you have a managing quarterback and a consistent running game, you can dominate in the NFL like it's been for the last 100 years. But they keep trying to switch up the formula of what the NFL is today so they can entertain some novice group that only shows up during Super Bowl Sunday anyway. Interesting theory there. So let's take it a step further, though, and look at some of those red zone inefficiencies for a quick moment here. Now, I know that the rules had been so favorable to the offense for well over a decade. But it seems like in the last two years specifically, they've kind of like curtailed that a little bit and done some things that benefit the defenses. Now, I don't know if that completely explains it, but one thing that I've been totally harping on, and you know this for a couple of years now, is I just don't think the NFL has very many good quarterbacks. I really don't think so. Uh, That's a good point. You know, the era when we were a kid, man, it's like, you know, every division, every team had lethal quarterbacks, you know, like the the Marino and Jim Kelly and Warren Moon and Boomer Esiason and Bernie Kosar. I could go on and on and on. 
you know, obviously the Montanas and the Youngs and Phil Sims. It's like every team had a good quarterback. Even the bad ones at that time were pretty good. Right now, you know, there's not very many. I mean, how many really good quarterbacks are there in the NFC, bro? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's hard. It's hard to even, like, come up with names. Right. And the funny thing is, is like, when you see how bad Derek Carr is playing, it's like, did you? Derek Carr had options. Derek Carr literally could have signed with any team in the NFC South if he wanted to. That's how bad the quarterback situation truly is. And right. then I mean, when you look at look at the NFC, Brock Purdy, Geno Smith, Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, and Jalen Hurts, and maybe Dak Prescott. Those are your best quarterbacks. And and even that batch right there isn't that great. Right? And I think we're just throwing certain maybe certain throw in Goff in there just to be nice and Kirk Cousins. Yeah, come on, you can't because Goff. I was about to say, uh, Mike, because you got to throw Goff in there well before Geno Smith, brother. Geno Smith is not good, man. I'm sorry, yeah, but, he's but a backup. How, dude. That's how slim pickings it is in the NFC. Once we start talking about debating Goff and Geno Smith and all that, it just kind of tells you something, right? Because you Geno know, Smith like, is a backup, bro. Like at best, he's a backup, and I think that. They're doing this because he's they paid him, but Drew Locke is the quarterback for that team, dude. Geno Smith just cannot. Geno Smith has been a headache all season. D- DK Metcalf, it seems like the stats go down every week. You're, D- DK Metcalf should be getting at least 15 uh, targets a game. He's getting like six. You know, it's, it's not good. And you, you got JSN, who's a really good receiver. Young, uh, the first receiver off the board, he's being wasted. And when you get to the red zone six times and you can only get 13 points out of it, you're, dude, sit down. Believe it or not, believe it or not, 20 20 teams in the NFL would take Geno Smith over what they have. Believe it or not. I mean, you can go by divisions, bro, right? Look at the AFC South. You know, right now, in, in this coming up weekend, sure, you got Trevor Lawrence, but Trevor Lawrence hasn't even been that great. You know, the Colts have what Garden uh, Minshew, the Texans, you know, Stroud, who's improving. Tennessee has uh, Tannehill. You know, we're talking entire divisions of like mediocrity. How about the NFC uh, South? You know, Baker Mayfield, Ritter, Carr, and whoever's throwing in Carolina. I mean, we're talking entire divisions where it's like really, really mediocre. How about the vaunted NFC East that everybody loves? You know, Daniel Jones and Sam Howell, Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts, you know, Jalen, legit, everybody else. eh? you know, I could live without them. You know, uh, you know, the Raiders, who's who's manning the ship over there? Denver, Russell Wilson's. Best is behind him. No quarterback in Jets land or Patriots land. I could go on and on and on. It's There's never been a time like this. Honestly, there's never been a time where you could just rattle down teams, rattle out team names, and not really have a bona fide, true like quarterback for the future. You know, there's very few quarterbacks of the future that we have. I think that's a big part of the problem. I think part of the problem also, Pop, is the NFL kind of is lacking star power. Like, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but if you think about it, you know, there's not very many star running backs in the league. 
And I think when when you have that issue, then you don't have a lot of red zone certainty. You have a lot of uncertainty in the red zone. You know, and I think that's that's a huge problem that you were laying out earlier, Pop. Red zone play has been terrible across the league. There's very few teams that are dangerous in the red zone. Even like a team that scores a lot of points, like the Buffalo Bills, okay? If the Buffalo Bills, let me ask you, Pop. The Buffalo Bills have the ball on the 12-yard line, and they need a touchdown. Do you? Is there any running back that you'd give the ball to? With the Bills? Who well, do you throw to? Well, okay, like, let's say Diggs, Diggs is getting all the attention. Where do you go with the ball? Gabriel Davis? I mean, we don't have star-laden teams. They're just not there. Even, even, even the Dolphins had to figure out how to at least get a red zone running game going because they had no red zone game last year. And that was more their head coach's ingenuity that was able to make it happen. But, I mean, look at how many teams just don't have really a red zone. What Vikings, who's their go-to guy in the red zone? You know, you're going to cover J.J., so maybe the tight end? Definitely not the running backs. What running back are you to go to in the red zone if you're the Vikings? You know what I mean? Like, you could go uh, down the list and see that there's something that's sorely lacking offensively in the NFL. And I think that's a big part of why scoring is down. But yet, the top tier is just that much better than the bottom tier. And I don't want to rag on the NFL, but I'm just saying, if you go too long with this type of situation... Ultimately, the brand gets hurt and people lose interest, right? And that's why I think things do shift society-wise. They shift out of horse racing and boxing and baseball into basketball, into football, into mixed martial arts. You know, there's ebbs and flows to all this. So I'm not saying we're going to ebb out of football, but I don't know, man. So that's kind of my take on it, Pop. Football is just so so much of an addictive sport to people and the the advertising that they do during football it's really gonna it's really it, it we're noticing it but at the same time people are still getting preparing their whole sunday around nfl games mike and you know that and you know everybody that's the first thing that they're thinking about every sunday morning in the fall is what where are they gonna watch their team at or what time does their team play? Or what time do my fantasy guys get going? All that stuff. They it, Everybody's too hooked into the league now to just run away from it. But, yeah, if you can't do this for the next five years or anything like that, that can't happen. But I just keep going back to my thing about the defense being that good now. You know what I mean? Because you gave the offense a lot of, of, uh, of, of leisure. You gave the offense a lot of – of things that they didn't have in the nineties and it was getting abusive. It truly was dude, where you got people that are not great quarterbacks, but they're getting 400 yards a game. Come on, Mitch Trubisky of all people. Come on, Mike. Mitch Trubisky had three games in a row where he went over 350 yards passing. The bears had never had anything like that in their history. That was probably the one season where he had about, 30 guys have big, big moments of passing games, and they're either third-string quarterbacks or backups now, and some of them are in the USFL now. 
So, you know, they had to get, they had to, to straighten that situation out because that was even getting tiresome watching, you know, way too much um, watching this, these Madden games. But now we're back to the ugly games that we used to have to watch in the 90s, and now everybody's mad about it. You know, we, you're not getting too many uh, 35s, uh, 31s every week like we were for the last few years. You're getting more 1913s and um, things of that nature. Um, they're now lowering the uh, over-under numbers as well, too. There's about six games that were at 37 and 39. You don't use them. You only get one or two. Use for the last few years, you only got one or two in that uh, category. But now, you know, with as many unders as they've had this season, then they know that, you know, we got something going on here. But you are right, though, at the same time, too, Mike, is that, it has to be something that has to get fixed because we still have offenses getting high amount of yards, but they're not converting the points. And now we just – I feel like the field goal kickers have been the stars of the NFL this year because they have came through and had the big moments, the big kicks, or have missed the big kicks like we did in um, Cleveland on Sunday. Uh, Mike did call that one out as well too. Um, you guys, so if you guys were listening last week, Mike did say that that was going to be the tricky game. I tried to be, and you know what? I kind of did, did it on purpose where I said, oh yeah, they don't have a chance against the 49ers, but you know, I was rooting hard as hell for the dog pound on Sunday to win that game. And so pretty much when he, when, when he missed it, I think everybody who was watching that game, he missed it. How did he miss it? But you know what, though? That gave me a, a whole brand new respect for Brock Purdy, and I'm never going to put this guy down again. Brock Purdy is the ultimate game manager, and regardless of him having a bad game, that's the quarterback that you want because he still gave you an opportunity to win that game. It wasn't on him for that, that they lost the game. The kicker missed the kick. If the kicker misses, makes the kick, it's a different, it's a different storyline after the game. They would have been talking about, hey, we need to – Purdy's the next Brady. But you know what? He didn't get – they didn't make the kick. But you know what, though? He has the remnants of a Tom Brady. He has the characteristics of a Tom Brady. He's not the yeah, next but let Brady, me, let me, let but me he has the characteristics. What is, what, what is Purdy without McCaffrey? And we might be finding out this weekend. So I'm with you. But that, to me, is the final hurdle. Like, if he's able to win with Elijah Mitchell and Jordan Mason, okay. He's legit. He's following the Brady formula. Late round guy. Doesn't have like these ridiculous physical skill sets, but can be coached up and outperform, outrun his odds, if you will. Let's take a time out, Pop. We'll come back. More football, baseball, and life solutions from Pop DiBiase right after this. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety. 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. I've been muting myself. That way my laughing doesn't come through. Man, our guy at Voice America, Jordan, he's probably wondering, like, these guys are absolutely crazy. So Jordan gets to hear us, you know, all our commentary during commercial breaks and stuff. And he probably is like, man, I can't tell which way these guys are going to go with something. You know, like, I'm thinking that they're going to go one direction with this and then they go somewhere else. Maybe it's a political thing. Maybe it's a money thing. Maybe it's a society thing. So we're just keeping you on your toes, uh, Jordan. That way you don't know exactly which direction we're going to go. That's kind of, <laughs> that's the, that's, that's the gay plan with this. But anyways, uh, we were talking a lot about the quarterback play, you know, perhaps uh, the lack of running backs. But I think what we can agree on pop is that there are teams that are head and shoulders above the rest. Now, I think it's inexcusable to lose to the New York Jets. I, I just don't don't think that that should be happening, you know, for, for any team. But I think it kind of shows you that Robert Sala is a pretty good head coach and that he's got his defense to really buy in. I just don't understand how these guys are three and three. But they are. But with that said, just quick yeses and nos, or buy or sell, or whatever game you want to play. Baltimore, four and two. I'm not buying. Mm. Nope. Not I don't think right they now. scare anybody. No. Jacksonville, right four, Jacksonville, four and two. I, I'm not really buying either. Well, they play in a division that, you know, that they're supposed to win, but that doesn't mean they're going to win the division. So I'm not really sold on them either. I think that being in Europe kind of helped them out a little bit. All right. Kansas City, 5-1. and one. You know how I feel. I'm a buyer. Well, you know, Kansas City is going to be always everybody's team. But, you know, I'll buy them for now. But we'll see how it goes. Okay. And then to round it up in the AFC, Miami, 5-1. and one, Buffalo, 4-2. and two. I'm a buyer of both. 
you know, I think Miami has more firepower than Buffalo, but Buffalo has a much better defense. And Buffalo has something that Miami will never have, which is the ability to win snow games, right? So whether they're having to go to a really frigid, you know, Pittsburgh or Kansas City or New England late in the season or Cleveland late in the season, you know, Buffalo could kind of navigate those waters. And that's why, you know, they're begging for a playoff team, playoff game at home, because I think they have that big advantage over Miami. Miami is at the most disadvantage when it comes to the cold between those teams that we mentioned. But basically, we've pinned it down to three teams in the AFC, Kansas City, Miami and Buffalo. And we're getting near the halfway point in the season, you know, a couple of weeks away. But you know, maybe we'll bookmark this conversation, come back to it and see, you know, how accurate we are and if things have stayed the same or have changed. So now we go to the NFC. Philadelphia at five and one. I'm definitely buying. Philadelphia five and one. The, Philadelphia looks like they're running away with the East, man. There's not going to be much of competition there. Even the Cowboys aren't going to be much for them to deal with this year. So, yeah, we're definitely the 5-1 with the Eagles is good, but that doesn't mean they're going to be a team that's going to be dancing in the playoffs this year. Ooh, okay. Well, yeah. so then, yeah, I guess you kind of answered the next question, which is what about Dallas of 4-2? and two? I ain't buying. I think their defense is nice, but it ain't as nice as people made it out to be when they were beating the New York Giants by 50 because New York Giants are a garbage team. Uh Four and two, you know, will they be a playoff team? Yeah, most likely, but I don't think that there's they're, they're really a Super Bowl threat. Uh, moving on, Detroit, five and one. Now they're at a big advantage in that division. Talk about running away with the division. Every team is under 500 below them. There's not a 500 team in sight in, in the NFC North. So Detroit, a five and one. I'm buying. But I don't think that they're going to win on the road. But I think if they can stay in the comforts of that dome, you know, they got a pretty good offense, man. And they got just enough defense to be able to win some ball games. So I'm going to go ahead and say I'm a buyer of Detroit. Yeah, the Lions, I feel like I said on uh, the show the other day, um, on Monday, and I said on NFL Better Exchange on Tuesday, that they're America's team as long as they want to be. And um, as long as they keep winning, everybody's going to be excited about what Detroit guys are going on because they are a fun team and they are a breath of fresh air to what is going on in the NFL right now. Agreed. Now, moving to the South, I'm just going to go ahead and be a seller of the whole division. Just take the whole division. No shot. Yeah, well, it's like last. You got to understand that division was won with the eight nine team, and everybody else finished seven and ten. So then the division not being anything this year is not surprising at all. And I will say this right now: most likely, it's going to wind up with your Saints being the the winners of the division when it's all said and done. The Bucks seem like that. It's going to be between the Bucks and the Saints, but I think the Saints are going to have enough to to win out because they have the best roster in the division. Well, and I always say that to win an NFL, you have to have at least one dominant unit or one dominant characteristic. And I do think that their defense for the Saints is pretty dominating. You know, if they had an offense to work with to keep them off the field a little bit, 
and uh, not to rely on the defense bailing them out constantly, I think they'd be a legit team. Now, why isn't their offense going? I- I'm gonna I'm gonna pin that on coaching because if you look at the personnel, you know the O line's given Carr a decent amount of time. They got you know Kamara and Jamal Williams been hurt, but I mean Kamara is supposed to be an all world running back. They got receivers, you know galore. You know, they're talented on offense. You know, they've got some big targets at the tight end position. So there's really no reason that their offense is stagnating so much. Maybe maybe the world was right and I was wrong about Carr. Maybe he's just not that guy. But they do have a defensive unit. So if they could get some offense going and a running game, you know, they may win a game or two But either way, in the playoffs. But either way, a threat. And then we go on to the NFC West. Obviously, Niners five and one. I'm buying because I do feel that they're one of the top two or three teams in the NFC. And on any given day, if you ask me, I would not be at all shocked if they made it to the Super Bowl. What say you? I'm gonna tell you like this. Um, before the Niners lost to the Browns, I had them as the best team in the NFL. And you know what? This week I still have them as one of the best teams in the NFL. And literally, they are gonna they're going to walk, they're going to walk to, like, literally, they could lose, they could just stop at 10 wins, and they're still going to win the West this year. It just, you know, the the Rams are middling, the Seahawks are middling, the Cards are not playing for any, any success, the Cards are playing for their future. You know what I mean? They're playing for the next level in the game. What are we going to be doing after this? But you do like what the Cardinals have on the defensive side of the ball. If they were able to have Kyler this year, they would have been a contender. I'll give them that. Fair point. Now I'm going to give you, before we wrap up this part of the conversation, I'm going to give you two sneaky teams, one in each conference. Sneaky meaning, you know, they've been under the radar. Nobody's really thinking about them. Nobody really gave them a chance. But I'm seeing things that I like, not necessarily to make a Super Bowl run, but to be able to get into the playoffs when it was unexpected. And I'm going to take the Rams in the NFC. And the reason for that is I think their offense is much more explosive than I could have imagined going into this season. You know, Stafford seems like he's he's right. He's healthy. He's balling, you know. Uh, they got a gem of a find for uh, the wide receiver position to complement Cooper Cup, you know, and hopefully the running back gets back on the field soon uh, because he's been a top five running back in the NFC. So uh, talk about Williams. So, yeah, I think the Rams are a sneaky team and they still have Aaron Don- Donald and, and some legit guys on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I think the Rams are a sneaky team. And in the AFC, I'm going to take the Houston Texans. I I really like their quarterback, man. I really like him a lot. CJ CJ is 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 very is is surprising the hell out of me right now. I'll keep it real. And CJ is playing hell of baseball. I mean, hell of football at this moment in time. Right. And he's playing the quarterback position the way that you're supposed to be playing it. And you know what? This is where he got. You know, a guy's a great quarterback. He's using two what they would say average receivers into giving them Pro Bowl seasons. That's absolutely amazing in itself as well, too. Absolutely. I mean, every receiver that um, that's gotten getting playing time is, uh, is has been looking good. You know, Nico Collins and Tank Tank Dell or whatever his name is, and and Robert Woods, who's 
been in the league for a thousand years. You know, all these guys are looking pretty good, and they don't really have a great running game either. But C.J. Stroud, he looks like he's got a potential Pro Bowl career written all over him. I like what I'm seeing, Pop. I like it a lot. And I like that he's he's a passing quarterback. He's not like one of these guys who is just going to tuck and run, you know, and, and just rely on his athleticism. I think he could play the quarterback position. So those are my two sneaky teams, the Rams and the Texans. Not saying that they're going to go on a Super Bowl run, but I think they'll make the playoffs when nobody expected them to. And anytime you get to the playoffs and you're an underdog, you know, there's always a chance that you're going to steal that game. So that's my, th- you got, you got any sneaky, any sneaky oh, break the okay. bracket type teams? I got two sneaky situations for you okay. in the, in the NFC. We're going to have, we we'll, we, we're going to have, it's going to be crazy. Since you said what you said, Mike, I think we're going to get three teams out of the NFC West just because how bad the NFC is this year. I think we get three out of the West, two out of the East, and win one and one in the out from the other conferences. But I think we get three out of the West, and I think that you are on to something with your Rams situation. And I know I just canceled out the Seahawks, but when I think about it, the Seahawks should have a great opportunity to get in there. But this is the fun one for you, Mike. We're going to have three out of the four teams once again from the um, from the Norris division, the AFC North, the toughest division in all of football, the only division that yields all teams with winning records at this point. I think that they get three out of four, if not four teams in there. But I know that it's going to be tough to keep out the uh, Bills-Miami situation. So I'm going to say three out of four, and I'm going to be bold here and say that if they can get it together, the Chargers can win out and uh, take the division. But that's just being silly, so possibly not. But hopefully we can get that home to where it's like that. But when you think about it, you just tell yourself, you wish you could really kind of kick out the South this year when it comes to the AFC because they're kind of well, in the way. Well, let me tell you something. In, in our NFL preview, we each took – uh, 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 like a specific team to kind of ride um, that hasn't been off to a great start. You know, yours was the Chargers. You know, mine was the, mine was the Seahawks. You know, um, look, they're both they're they're both talented, and they're they're right in the in the playoff mix. They're not like one and five or anything. You know, in fact, Chargers Seattle's over five hundred. Seattle's you know, Seattle's three and two. So, I mean, they're Chargers still like in a good position five and oh right now. Sorry, Mike, just no, five, I mean, and oh. five and oh, bro. It, yeah. You know, oh, uh, look, I'm not going to argue with you on that point. You know, the thing is they have talent. They can go on a run. They're not out of it, but each of these teams has dug themselves a little bit of a hole and they've lost games that they shouldn't have lost. And that's sometimes the mark of a team that isn't gelling a team that isn't coming together. You know, I'm not saying that a team needs to be like the Vikings last year where every single bounce went the Vikings way, every single one, you know, their record last year is ridiculous in one point games. And in last second victories, you know, things were gelling for them. They were humming, you know, obviously that came to an abrupt end in the playoffs, but we've had the opposite of that when it comes to the Chargers. Man, that Monday night game pop against the Cowboys, after that first drive with Herbert, I thought the Chargers were just going to run away with that game. 
and they just fell flat after that, man. But like they, like that was it. That was like the one drive they gave for the game, and that was it. You know, but I think I think there's things that they could maybe iron out, get things going. Same thing with the Seattle Seahawks. I think they can get things going. So we'll see, man. We'll see. I like your sneaky teams. And you know what? Keep your eye out on Cleveland. If Deshaun Watson can show any type of health, then you know what? They're 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 more than game in this situation right now because that defense is absolutely killer. And I ain't never seen a Browns defense like that. And I've been watching them for the last 40 some odd years. I ain't seen them ever have a defense this good. Well, when you look at the points against, you know, they're the giving up less points than than the Niners and, and the Buccaneers, who have two of the better defenses in the NFC. You know, they've given up less than Kansas City. Kansas City, though, gets an asterisk because in week one, you know, they weren't um they didn't have their defensive roster totally situated yet. And they're not out. playing against any, any just name any top ten offense they just played against in the last six weeks, Mike. Come on, keep it real, bro. They haven't played anything. They the only offensive team they played was the Minnesota Vikings. Everybody else is is chopped liver, brother. But you know what? No, but they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And we know that that's not always the case in the NFL. NFL, you see a lot of times that they they throw duds. You I'm going to keep it real with you. I'm going to keep it real with you. The Chargers are about to drop 30-plus points on their ass on Sunday. Just let okay. you know that right now. All right, well, we're going to get to our picks. I'm kind of smelling smelling upset as a possibility. If not, at least playing the over on that over-under. Huh? It's kind of what I'm hearing, but I'll save that for, for our pick section right before we wrap up the show. Uh, with that said, let me get locked and loaded with my picks solidified, situated, ready to spit out some winners. Same with Pop DiBiase. We'll take a final time out. We'll come back more after this. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. 
VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back for the final segment of the Mike Abadir Show. Talking a lot of NFL. Want to give some love to our beloved baseball. You know, this is this is kind of getting down to the wire here in terms of, you know, your final four. You know, we're going to get our World Series matchup, probably a little bit more clarity shortly here. As we are talking right now, the Philadelphia Phillies are all knotted up with Arizona Diamondbacks. Pretty sure that you and I could both agree that if the Phillies are able to get one more run and win this game on the road, go up 3-0, the Arizona will be done. Uh, I'd like to see Arizona win it because I like seven-game series. But Philadelphia right now looks like a dominant team. How about in the battle at the Lone Star State, the road teams are the ones that are winning. Rangers won two on the road. Now Houston wins one on the road. That's a tough one to figure out, man. I mean, the thing is, I always like to, to look at what did you do with your best pitcher, right? And both Scherzer and Verlander didn't win their games. That probably means when they come back for their next outing, they could expect a sharp, dominant performance from those guys. What? I don't know how I, I, don't know how I see this series playing out, Pop. I really don't, because I think the Rangers... They're onto something good, but so are the Astros. I mean, really, ultimately, you have two exciting teams to watch, and whichever team gets to the World Series is going to be pretty compelling in my book. And it looks like ch- chances are it'll be Philadelphia against one of the Texas teams, and I'm fine with that. I think that'd be a really exciting World Series. To me, it would be captivating. I, I would be waiting for 4.35 p.m. Pacific time for each of those starts, you know, but I just don't know how that other series is going to play out. Do you have any inclination or gut feeling about, you know, the Rangers and Astros and how that's going to turn out? Well, you know what? The advantage is going right now to the uh, Astros because they're the team that knows how to breathe and be in this situation. And, you know, they've been here before that they like it like this. That's the funniest part about this team. They like it like this. They like, for their team to uh, be um, – they like for their squad to be in trouble somewhat and have have to really sweat this thing out because that's what they do. That's what makes them them. They are a special unit because of that. And I know that that is something that they are very, 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 very strong about that but going into the series knowing that, hey, all we got to do is do us. That's it. And pretty much that's what the idea that I got from the uh, situation in this game is that um, is that they know how to win these type of games. Do the Rangers know how to win these type of games? Because the Rangers, they've gotten home, and you know what? They thought that it was going to be rocking and rolling and everything was going to be all good, and then they got those three runs uh, thrown up on the board, and, you know, things got a little different. 
And once the Astros saw themselves in the lead early, then, you know, lights out. And I think that the Astros did the, they tricked the Rangers, to be honest with you. They threw out the two pitchers that they thought they would have issues with. But really, the two pitchers that are going to dominate the uh, the Rangers are going to pitch you on the road. Javier and Yacruti have been the best pitchers in, in that group for a long time. Verlander is old news. You know, Verlander, if he was still really good, the Mets would have kept him. But the Mets knew what, that they messed up. They overpaid a, a twilight player. Same thing goes with the same thing goes with the Mets when it came to Scherzer. And then the Rangers kind of overpaid because they had uh, the idea that they could win a World Series this year because finally Corey Seager's actually healthy. Uh, Simeon's actually healthy. So they said, you know what? We got a chance. We got an opportunity to actually win this thing. And we, we need Scherzer for is not really so much of his pitching. We need Scherzer more for his wisdom. They knew that he had a bum arm coming here and a bum back coming here. They knew that. That's why the Dodgers did not even attempt to sign him to the money that he asked for. So at the end of the day, Max Scherzer is just more of a, a extra coach. In a sense, and I and you saw my tweet last night, Mike. I said over under three innings that he's out this game, and he was out the game in two innings because Max Scherzer is not going to be effective. He's been out of the loop too long, and he really kind of just tagged along with this team. That's why sometimes I hate the trade deadline because you got guys taking credit for things that they didn't do. And Max Scherzer was literally jumping in the middle of every camera and everything like that when they were winning all these series. And it's like, bro, you did nothing for them to get here. Stop. And now, look, he goes out there the first uh, first few innings. He gives up three runs, pretty much loses the game for him. So what's he going to be able to do in the next game? Probably absolutely nothing once again. You know, here's the thing. When you're talking about a pitcher having a lot of time off between outings, you know, it shouldn't be an issue for somebody that's a veteran, that's a Hall of Famer. You know, I get it. Somebody's older, that type of thing. But, hey, man, this is nutted up time. This is dig deep. See what you got in you. Time for the Bulldog to come out. Time for the inner Pedro Martinez to come out. You know, no excuses. Let's go. Let's go make it happen. You know, I think... I think Bochi and Baker are two all-time greats that know how to get the most out of their teams. I think really what it's going to come down to is who's going to steal that base when needed? Who's going to bunt over a runner when needed? Who's going to get you that sneaky sacrifice fly in the fifth inning that nobody thought much of it? But that ends up being the difference of the game, that good at bat, that good enough at bat to bring in that runner, right? It's going to take those type of things, I believe, to be able to win this series because I think they're just going to slug it out. And the little things are going to come into play to make a big difference. That's that's kind of my take on it. I'm still going to give advantage to the Astros, I guess. I said I didn't know, but if I had to give an edge, I'm probably going to go to the Astros We'll see a rematch of Philadelphia and Houston. Man, the, the Phillies can't be can't play any better than they're playing right now. Like, I don't think they can top it. 
it's about as hot as I've seen a team probably since the Nationals, you know, six, seven years ago when they won the World Series. That's kind of how Philly's playing. I don't know if they could keep it up or not, but I'm going to still stick to my guns and say that the winner is going to be from the American League. You know, we'll see. By this time next week, we should know who our World Series matchup is going to be, I believe. Um, you know, maybe unless that AL1 goes seven, I'm not sure. I don't have the calendar in front of me. But I'm, I'm going to stick with the Astros and, and the Phillies. But even if it ends up being the Rangers and the Phillies, I just have a feeling that Texas is going to take this thing, man. I know that MLB and the sports world would probably like Philly because it's an East Coast world that we live in. But that's kind of my feeling on it, Pop. Yeah, you know, I kind of feel like the best thing for us right now is the Phillies-Astros rematch. You know what I mean? But I would love to see um, Rangers-Diamondbacks would be a lot of fun. That would be a lot of fun because those are two teams that are irrelevant. They're usually fourth place in the West each year. They're teams that have had some great historic players are part of their franchise, but they were never able to help them really win anything except for Kurt Schilling and uh, Randy Johnson. Let's, uh, let me stop myself right there because that's when they had an owner that liked spending money at that point. So, you know, they had those two. And, you know, I just feel like, you know, um, it's been a long time since 2002. You know what I mean? So um, it's, it's, it's fun, but I think the right, Right series is always a rematch. A rematch World Series, we're familiar with both of the teams. And you know what? The Phillies got unfinished business. It's that simple. And this time around, I think the Phillies would get the home uh, field advantage because I think they own the tiebreaker. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But the Phillies got to get past the, the the Phillies. To me, all they got to do is just win one game in Arizona. That's it. And then you, you take care of your business in Philly game six. That's it. You just you don't need to sit up in here and try to embarrass these guys at home in front of their home crowd or anything like that. You just need to win the one game that you need to get so you can have game three. And then you move forward and you and you and you end them in Philly. It's better that way, Mike. It is. You know what I mean? You can celebrate with your home fans and things like that, even though you can celebrate in Arizona too, but you can celebrate with your home fans there as well too. And then, you know, this series is great. This is one of the best championship series that we've had in years when it comes to um, what a dumb baseball move this kid just made. This is why these guys shouldn't have beat the Dodgers. But um, <laughs> yeah, Astros, Rangers – is one of the best um, series that we've had in the championship series on the American League side in a very long time. It gives me the Yankees-Red Sox vibes, and it's the West Coast kind of version of it because these teams became rivals 20, 20 years ago when they realigned the divisions, but it was a long overdue rivalry in a sense. And I think the MLB, one of their more smarter moves was putting the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros in the same division in the American League. Because let's keep it real. If the, if the Houston Astros were, say, in the west of the um, National League, they would have been pretty bad. They would have probably been exactly what the Arizona Diamondbacks are right now. You know what I mean? Because they probably wouldn't have been spending that much money. Because you got to go up against the Dodgers and the Giants, it would just be difficult for you. You know what I mean? But all in all, 
I think that they won the realignment lottery when they were able to go west and get with the Angels, the A's, the Rangers, and the um, Mariners. And I think they're they're all a perfect fit for each other. Makes a lot of sense, Pop, with the remaining few seconds that we've got here. Let's uh, talk about our NFL picks. Uh, I think we have three games to me that are intriguing. And I'm not saying maybe four games, but I'm not saying that. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and say five. Uh, I'm not saying that my picks are going to come from here. But to me, the intriguing matchups are the Lions and the Ravens. Not super intriguing, but intriguing because they're teams that have good records. Same thing, Steelers and the Rams. Not super intriguing, but interesting teams nonetheless. Uh, but the, really, the main matchups are the Chiefs and the Chargers and the Dolphins and the Eagles. Yeah, I think those two. those are the two matchups that are kind of like must see for me as an NFL fan, uh, especially that Dolphins Eagles one. That's going to be a treat on Sunday night. Let's start with you though, real quick. What kind of uh, plays are you looking at this weekend, Pop? Um, you know what? My dog bet of the week is going to be the Detroit Lions, and my best bet of the week is going to be a fun one, Mike. It's going to be the under in the Bears game against our Raiders. Oh, okay. But doesn't it seem like the Bears offense is kind of sort of clicking a little bit? No Justin Fields, though, brother. Oh, that's right. Who's So who's the backup there? I don't even know. Uh, some quarterback may have been yet or some, something like that. I think that he's good for 17 points, brother. And no Garoppolo either for the Raiders. So Brian Hoyer or the kid. And I think they're going to go with the kid. So I think they're gonna, this winds up being a 17 to 10 game. Okay. Uh, possibly 14 gonna... to 10. But I think the Raiders lose, too, at the same time. Ooh, that would be harsh if they lose to that unknown quarterback, you know, especially when they've already outplayed uh, the projections to win those three games. You know, that'd be kind of rough sledding, my man. That would be rough sledding. I think in terms of point spread, uh, I'm going to take the Steelers against the Rams, even though I just finished saying how much I like the Rams. I think it's going to be a close game. Somehow the Steelers find a way. I think that game is going to be, you know, uh, like a one-point game, two-point game. I think it'll keep it close. And the uh, game that I really like is I think Miami is going to put up a lot of points against the Eagles. I think they're going to have a tough time keeping up on the road. I'm going to go ahead and take the Dolphins to straight up win that game. And that is all the time we got, Pop. So, as always, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you to Voice America. Thank you to my man, Jordan. Thank you to you, Pop DiBiase. And most importantly, thank you to the listener. Without you, there is no show. We will see you all same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.